Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Anybody excited? Come on, I need two people excited about the Word of God. Come on. Amen. It's always good to be here. Sometimes I get, I get so lost in worship, I forget it's my turn after. And I'm just waiting to get more, and I say, oh, wait, I got to go. Here's a quote. I like to start with a quote each morning. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshipped. Come on, that's deep. Think about it. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshipped. How many know that's why we need to watch what we worship? We need to watch. We need to check our idols. We need to check what we're, what we're trusting in and depending in because slowly but surely and purposefully we become what we worship. All right, nothing to do with what I'm sharing, but I just thought that was cool. Well, if you're just joining us, we're on a journey through the book of John. And last week we started uh, chapter 2, and in that chapter was the first public miracle of Jesus recorded and it was where Jesus was at a wedding they ran out of wine Mary came to him and said we have no wine he said woman what's that got to do with me and she told the servants just do whatever he tells you to do he told the servants get the water jugs fill them up and and then draw some and give it to the master of the banquet the servants filled up the jugs gave it to the master of the banquet the ma master said this is good wine Amen? And then the word says that God's glory is, was revealed and that people believed. And today, I just want you to understand and still see that God still chooses to work through obedient servants. Amen? God still uses people. God still uses us as obedient servants to work through today. And so, if we would just learn to do what He says and trust Him with the results... Wouldn't your lives be a lot different? Come on, can we be real today? We'd avoid so much heartache, so much pain, so much struggling, so much worrying. We would have so much peace. We'd have so much joy. There'd be so much life in us. Some of you would not be recognized. Amen? Come on, some of you haven't smiled in six weeks. Relax. It's all right. Amen? God loves you. See, once we stop chasing all these unproven alternatives and accept the fact that we are creations and that every creation has a creator, can anybody testify? 
then, then it would only make perfect sense that we would have communion with that creator and that we would build relationships with the father that, that, that we would trust the father who created us and knows what's best for us and has wonderful plans for us. But what's the big issue? Well, the reason so many of us struggle with that notion, if we're real honest this morning, is because we have daddy issues. Thank you for one amen. One person agrees. We have daddy issues. We have had fathers that have hurt us, abused us, mistreated us, never showed us love, never accepted us, never shown us any accepted, or just outright abandoned us. Right? Is that right? And so the thought of another father to telling us what to do or, or the thought of giving another father the chance to hurt us again is more than we're willing to live with. And so we look for all these alternatives and so we try to deny God and we try to deny the father. But you see, that's why I've devoted the, the majority of this pulpit ministry to simply going through the word of God book by book by book that we would get it in us and that we would get some understanding and some revelation. Amen? Amen. And so that we would understand that be, be, because He knows what we need and so He gave us what we needed. And see, the Bible is not a rule book. If the Bible were all about religion, it would not only tell you what to do, it would tell you what not to do, it would tell you how long to do it, it would show you how to do it, and it would give you perfect examples to follow. But instead it's loaded with imperfect people. Sometimes did things right and sometimes did things wrong. All the way through supported by the love and acceptance of a God who loved us so much that he paid the price to give us access. Can you tell somebody the price was paid? See, the Word of God is a history book. It gives us the history and the account of both the obedient and the disobedient and allows you to decide who you're going to be. The Word of God is a tragedy where we can learn of God's plan for man and man's fall from relationship with God. But the Word of God is also a love story where we learn of a God who made it possible after that fall for us to be in relationship again. The price was paid. The Word of God is a priceless gift that we can choose to either accept or reject. The Word of God is a discerner of thoughts. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. The Word of God is a living and effective reality. It's alive and active. The Word of God is a personal encounter. The Word of God is the tree of life bearing fruit that, that bearing fruit that we can be nourished by. The Word of God is bread of life that nourishes. It's the drink that satisfies. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. It's a sword for our battles. It's a shield that protects us. It's a covering that keeps us safe. It's a source of peace and hope and strength. The Word of God is love and mercy and grace. The Word of God is a person. It's not just a who, a what, it's a who. And, and we're called to have this intimate relationship with Him and that's why we're going through the Word of God here this morning. I wish two people were excited. See, once you get a book of the Bible in you, something starts to grow. You can't get it in you and, and, not, and, not, and be the same. Something starts to, once you have understanding, something starts to change. And then the battle is resisting it or accepting it. 
That's where we live, right? That's, that's, that's our flesh right there. That's where we live. Resisting or accepting what's in us already. Well, all right. Let's go into John. Open your Bibles to the book of John. If you don't have your Bibles, just make believe. Look on with your neighbor. And so we read last week that the first miracle was a miracle of conversion. Listen, this is so awesome. It was a, he converted water to wine. He took something that was common, water, and he made it something that was of value. Amen? And so then in the chapter continues and we'll pick up in verse 13 of chapter 2. Verse 13, chapter 2, here's what it says. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 14, in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Verse 15, it says, so he made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He shattered the coin, he scattered the coins of the money changers. He overturned the tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? Now let's try to understand what's happening here because this is so key, man. Jesus was not pleased. Can anybody agree? The man was not happy at the moment, right? And, but isn't it something that every time that we see Jesus this way, it's almost always about the religious folk. It's almost always with the, the, the religious oppressors. You, you never see him upset at a sinner, right? You never see him just beating, beating a sinner up. He meanwhile, he's eating with them, living with them, you know, talking with them, eating with them, spending time with them. But with the religious oppressors, he gets angry. Just keep that in the back of your head. And so, you know, I need you to understand something also there that, you know, the Word of God says, in our anger, sin not. And so we can look at this verse and say, well, Jesus got angry and he flipped out. But he didn't. If you, if you read the verse carefully, it says, when he saw everything that was going on, it says, he made a whip. He made a whip. Now understand, this is not the kind of anger, you know, when mommy catches you doing something and she grabs whatever she can get a hold of and you get beat with a chancleta. Anybody been beat with a chancleta? Or a lamp or a, or a, I mean, mama will beat you with a sandwich if that's all she got in her hand. Amen? Anybody? It wasn't that kind of anger. It wasn't that kind of, it says, he, he saw what was going on and he said, oh, okay, está bien. And he goes and he, it says he makes a whip out of cords. How many of you know that that is control? Right? That's not losing your mind like, what a, it, it, it's, okay. He makes the whip. He got his Indiana Jones going on there. And then he goes in and chases all the animals out the place. He, he had all the animals, the coins were flying everywhere. The animals were running out of the courtyard. But, but why? Understand what's happening here. Listen to what was going on here. See, no one can come to the temple in that day without a sacrifice. Okay? You had to bring a sacrifice. Now, it depended on the feast. It depended on the day. It depended on the size of your family. It depended on what was going on. But bottom line, you cannot come in without a sacrifice. So what was going on here was these, these um, Judaizers, they, they were setting up tables and everything. And then when you came in with your sacrifice, right, you came in with your little chicken... 
Oh, no, that's, that's santeria. That's the, you came in with, with the doves and with the, you know, with the lambs, right? And, and they would come and inspect. They would be the ones to inspect. They would look and they say, no, that, that's, that is not an offering that's going to be pleasing to God. You need to buy my lamb. No, that dove is not going to be accepted by God. You need to buy my dove. And now it's too late. Most of these people made the journey from far away. They can't go back to the bodega and get another lamb. You understand? They're here now. Now it's, I got to pay you whatever it is that you want for this lamb. It's extortion. You, you understand? It was an ugly thing that was happening there. They were getting fat and rich like crazy with this sacrifice. And, and they, you know, there were swindlers. This was the temple mob. This was the mafia. They were saying, that's not acceptable. You need to buy mine. You got a problem with that? You understand? It, it was that kind of mentality. It was sopranos up in the temple court. There was corruption. They were extorting God's people. But what does that look like today? Some people say, well, if you're selling books and CDs in the sanctuary, you're making, you're making a, 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 a house of prayer into the marketplace. If you're selling patelillos in the back, then you're making the house of prayer into a marketplace. That's not, that's not what was going on here. Understand this. If, now, if I told you that the books and CDs that we're selling were the only way that God would speak to you, if I told you that the only way you would get your healing, sister, is if you bought three patelillos from the cafe, santo. Amen? See, if I told you that, then we'd be starting to get to what was happening there. See, then we'd start to understand what was happening in, in, in that kind of thing. That, this is not, that's not the same thing. See, they, they, even today, what, their, their temple's selling prophetic words. This church is selling miracles. This church is selling prayers. This church is that will line you up. If you want your $100 miracle, get on this line. And if you want your $1,000 miracle, get on this line. How many of you, if you had the choice of a $100 miracle or a $1,000 miracle, well, some of us just ain't that stupid. We ain't going to go for it. But, but, but if you had the choice, right, you want to be on this line. And so you'd come here, there'd be credit card machines up in the church where you can, right? It's, it's, it's scary. It's so scary. But that's happening today. You have people that will tell you, listen, if for $1,000, I'll take your prayer to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land, and I'll put your prayer on the wailing wall. Church, you do not want your prayers traveling by airplane. You don't need them taking detours. You don't need them getting lost in somebody's luggage. The same God that hears prayers at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, hears them at the Sanctuary Fellowship, hears them at, at the other church up the block. It, that same God hears the prayers at Stacy's house. It hears the prayers in Carmen's car. That same God will hear those prayers. Amen? Amen. And he doesn't use a credit card machine. The price is paid. Come on, get excited, somebody. Show some life. The price was paid. Now church, listen, this may be a twist for some of you. You're hearing this from the pulpit this morning. This may be a twist. You may be used to seeing this thing as a place where you are manipulated out of your money. But you're hearing it from the pulpit this morning. Stop buying sacrifices from swindlers. The price was paid. 
Your thousand dollar miracle has already been paid for. And if you didn't get the memo yet, the title and the power of this message is The Price Was Paid. Besides, how many of you know that God doesn't have $10 miracles and $100 miracles and $1,000 miracles? Come on, if we just thought for a moment, would, would, would we think that, wait a minute, does God really have a $100 miracle? And a th- what does a $100 miracle look like than a $1,000 miracle? What is a $100 miracle? You blah, open up a sight in one eye? Uh, like, what does that look like, right? God doesn't have, please understand, nowhere in the Word of God do we see this. God doesn't have. Everything God has for you would cost more money than you could put together in 10 lifetimes. And that's why there is a price to pay, but God said the price was paid. Get excited. Amen. Another thing to know, and this, this is so beautiful, you know, last week's message was there's something more. And I kept telling you that every time you read through the Word, there's something more. Sometimes you get something real surface and it's awesome, and then the next time you read it, there's something more. And then the next time you read it, there's something more. It all depends on where you are. It all depends on, on, on you know, where you are on your walk, amen? But there's so much here. But listen, <coughs> another thing to note was the outer courts. That's where there's these, these guys were were all set up, all the money changers and selling the animals. It was in the outer courts of the temple. Understand, the outer courts of the temple was called the court of the Gentiles. The outer court was the only place that non-Jews can worship. It was the only place where Puerto Ricans and Dominicans can come together and worship God in the temple. Do you understand that? And that's the place where they set up the stores and the bodegas and the trafficking and all the craziness. Is that getting anybody upset? Do you see what's happening here? See, that was the only place. And, and so Jesus comes in and God's desire is for that all men could worship. God's desire is that all people together could worship. The temple should be a sanctuary, a safe place free of manipulation, a place where you can experience the power of prayer, the joy of worship, and the peace of His presence. So Jesus comes in and He cleans the temple. Get this picture from John. Picture this. Jesus comes into the temple and He chases all the other sacrifices out of the temple. See, it's a prophetic picture that Jesus is showing us. He's telling us, I'm going to be the only sacrifice that you're going to need. Do you see the picture? He comes in and he chases with a whip every other sacrifice out of the court. What is he saying? He's saying there's going to come a day real soon, I'm going to be the only sacrifice you need. Come on, somebody get excited about that? He was saying, he was saying, you're never going to have to buy another dove to be accepted. You're never going to have to buy another lamb to cleanse you and your family. He's coming into the temple saying, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I wish there were some excited Christians in here. The price, he's saying the price was going to be paid. Verse 18. So then the Jews, they, 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 they see him do all this. Nobody could stop him. He did it. All the animals of God, the changes everywhere. You know, if that was New York or L.A., there'd be a riot right there. Everybody would be flipping, grabbing their coins and, and going nuts, right? But, but they saw him do everything. Everything's done. Now look, the Jews, the guys, the guys that run the place, the mobsters, the Sopranos come in, and they say in verse 18, what, hey, yo, hey, what are you doing over here? 
What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of these things? And in 19, Jesus answered him. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. Oh, man. They said, what sign do you have? He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. Is that gangster? I mean... So, so they didn't understand. They said, this temple took 46, 49 years to build. Well, and you're saying you're going to... He's, he's like, oh man, y'all don't have a clue. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. That's the sign. You want a sign? I'm going to give you a sign. Now watch this. John is painting a picture. John began with the miracle of conversion, right? Changing water into wine. And then he shows us Jesus' next work is a work of cleansing. He cleanses the temple. See, that's always how Jesus works. He converts, then he cleanses. Come on, is that deep, Eric? Amen. He converts, then he cleanses. Church, we've been, we, we got it twisted. Too many of us have stayed away from church for too long because we feel like we got to get cleaned up before we get ourselves to church. Anybody been there? Anybody heard that excuse? No, 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 no. When, when I get myself together, then, then I'm going to come to church. When I get cleaned up, when I stop doing this, when I stop doing that, then, then I'm going to be right there with you, papi. I'm going to be in church and we're going to be good. No, it's like, it's like cleaning up to go take a shower. It, it doesn't make sense. How many of you wash up before you take a shower? No, you step into the shower to be cleansed, amen? See, it's the opposite, family. We need to come dirty. We need to come messy. We need to come broken. We need to come hurt, come upset, come doubtful, looking for questions, come questioning, looking for answers. God says, you find me when you look for me. And the church, the body of Christ, we're supposed to love you like that. We're supposed to accept you like that. We're supposed to receive you like that. Because the word of God, my, the word that I read says in Romans 5, 6, that God died for the ungodly. Oh, I'm going to mess up some theology today. God died for the ungodly, the word says. I came over to the ungodly side. God died for the ungodly. Amen? They're the righteous ones. They're ungodly too, but they don't know. God died for the ungodly. Let's get that full verse, Romans 5, 6. It says this, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died. The Message Bible puts it this way. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Somebody say amen. amen. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Come on, some of you reckless should be, should be excited. Verse 8, God put his love on the line for us by offering the son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. I hope that messed with all of your theologies. I hope that that just kind of opens up something in your, in your mind. Listen, you could be sitting here today feeling like you are of no use to God, to, to which the Word of God says, that's why I paid the price. 
That's why I paid the price. If you could do it, I wouldn't have to do it. See, when you were at your weakest, when you were at your farthest, I came to be strong for you. I came so that you can be close again. Amen? Well, all right, can we jump into John chapter 3 real quick, just for a minute this morning? It just fits so well, I, didn't, I don't want to wait till next week. John chapter 3, watch this. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God and no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he can enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Let me give you a quote that hopefully would explain that. Every man must have two births. One from earth and the other from heaven. One of his body and the other of his soul. Without the first, he cannot enjoy the world. Without the last, he cannot enjoy the kingdom of God. Did you get that? We must be born again. That isn't, and, and understand something, you know, when, when you tell somebody, I'm a born-again Christian, everybody want to give you, give you lip. This ain't a cult. This ain't something that was made up. This came right out of John, right out of the book, out of the Word of God. Jesus said you must be born again. It's not a religion. It's not a cult. It's not even a belief system. It's what the Word says. We must be born again. If, if to be born, to enjoy this world, you got to be born, right? Your mommy has to give birth to you so that you can enjoy this world. To, be, to enjoy the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again. Our soul must be born again. Amen? Well, all right. Check this out. I, I, I love this part. Verse 14. This is the best. Watch this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Well, if you don't know that Moses did and why he did that, you don't understand what John, what, what John is saying here, what Jesus is explaining here, right? So in Numbers 21, let me tell you what happened. It says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, this is what was going on. God had his people, Moses had his people, right? He was delivering them, and they started complaining. I know none of you do that. None of you bicker and complain. I know. But, but God's people back then used to complain and complain about stuff. And so it says the Lord sent a, 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 a plague of serpents. And so the serpents would go through the land biting God's people and they were dying. And so how I many of you know affliction gets your attention? Amen? When people start dropping in church, you start saying, Hey, I'm God. What's going on? Right? Uh, excuse me, God. You know, people are dying. There's some rough stuff going on. All of a sudden, our focus gets back. Amen? 
Sometimes we need that, right? We need that affliction sometimes to get our focus. Well, that's what happened. So they came back to God, and so God told Moses, Take a serp- make a serpent on a rod and hold it up. And so, so, so um, Moses makes the serpent out of brass, out, out of bronze rather. <coughs> he beats this thing and makes it out of bronze, and he puts it on a stick. How many of you know that the, you know the symbol for the medical today, that, that stick with the serpents? That's from the Bible. Did, did you know that? That's from the Bible. That was Moses' thing, what God told Moses, and the world uses it today. So what happened? He, he, he puts this serpent on, the, on the, the stick, and then he holds it up. And so now it says in Numbers 21, it says anybody that looked, anybody that got bit and were dying, all they had to do was look on the serpent, on the stick, and they would be healed. Think about that. All they had to do was look at this thing and they would be healed. Listen, they had to trust something as seemingly foolish as looking at such a thing that that it would be sufficient to save them and surely some perished because they thought it was too foolish a thing to do. All those that were dying had to do was look upon the bronze serpent that Moses held up and they would be healed. And so Jesus is saying, just like that now, I have to be lifted up. All those that are dying, all they have to do is look to me and believe in me and they'll be healed. Do you you see the the, the crazy picture? We make it so complicated. We make it so hard. He's saying just as Moses held up the serpent, the son of man must be lifted up. And so he's saying, all you got to do is believe on me. Just look to me and be healed and you won't die. Come on, man. That's incredible. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, listen, listen. Go like this. Verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Do do you understand? Do you see that we've gotten it twisted for so many years? We've made it more than it has to be? Answer this. Based on this scripture we just read, are you condemned by what you do or by what you believe? Aren't we always condemning ourselves by what we do? Anybody? Just me? Right? We condemn ourselves. By, but, but the word says we're condemned by what we believe or don't believe, not by what we do. This is the word. This is not some strange doctrine. This is not some new stuff I'm pulling out. This is right out of the word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. See, we may be in a Christian more about us and less about God. Amen. We made it more about the way we act and less about what God did. Christianity is about what God did, not what you can do, not what you're able to do, not what you can stop doing. It's about what He did. Listen to this. God does not demand reform. He provided rebirth. Oh, man. Come on, that should make some of my Spanish people go, hmm, hmm. <laughs> 
It's not your efforts which can save you. It's God's reaching out in the person of His Son who died in your place, who took your punishment, who offers His righteousness in place of your wretchedness. Now, what is true is this. When you've been with God, when you've trusted God, when you've reached, received through grace this rebirth, it's neat, it's got to show. Here's where we get it messed up. It's got to show. Amen? You can't plant this seed in your heart and not have fruit growing. Now listen, I could beat you up about your sins better than anybody else. I could beat you up all day long. As a matter of fact, watch this. Stop getting drunk. Stop smoking that stuff. Stop cursing. Stop lying. Stop cheating. Stop stealing. And for God's sake, stop sleeping around already. Stop it. It's, n it's not doing you any good. Amen? Can somebody say amen? amen? Wow, that was a hearty amen. <laughs> See, Jesus is still about cleansing the temple, but the Word of God says that now we are that temple. Jesus is still about cleansing the temple, but we're the temple. So now Jesus comes in and cleans the temple. Now, are you getting some pictures today? He, why does he clean the temple? He chases out what shouldn't be in the temple. Oh man, that's good. He comes in and chases out what shouldn't be. How, what shouldn't be? I shouldn't be here worshiping. Oh, and then leaving, dropping F-bombs all the rest of the week. It, it shouldn't. That should come out of the temple, amen? And now, I'm not beating you up about that. I'm saying, check yourself. If Jesus is in here, that should be that. And not that we don't slip, and not that, come on, you've been cursing for 10 years, and it's all of a sudden you come to church and it's supposed to stop overnight. No, but I'm saying it should bother you. Amen? It should bother you. You've been, you've been sleeping around forever, and now, now you're coming to church and you're saying, God, man, you're doing these incredible things in my life. I hear your word. I receive it. I receive it. Whoa, something needs to stop. I, I, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I got to put the bottle down. I got I to gotta let her go. I got I got you, you. Amen? I'm not beating you up. I'm letting you know it's about what God has done. When Jesus comes in, he, he cleanses. He takes out everything that shouldn't be in the temple. Why? Because he wants to create a place for worship. Just like he did in the old temple, he wants it in this temple. He wants to create a place for worship. Do you get that you can do some things and worship? Do you understand that when you do certain things, and that's why, man, it could be that it could be 17 angels could appear on stage here next to the worship team, and some of you still can't worship. Why? There hasn't been a place emptied out to worship. The temple got stuff in it that needs to be cleaned out so that that's why some of you aren't free to worship. Come on, when you're free to worship, it don't matter how good or how bad the musicians are. Come on. It don't matter how fast or how slow the song is. It don't matter who's here and who's not here today. It don't matter if it's your favorite song. or It doesn't matter. When, when the place has been cleaned out to worship, God creates a place to worship. You can worship with anything. You can worship with anything. You can, have, you can have 19 tone deaf people on the choir and still worship. Because it's not about them. It's about the temple being cleansed and being prepared to worship. Amen? 
So verse 19, I'm, I'm ending, I promise. Verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and they won't come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Listen, fam, I'm so tired of fighting doctrines. I'm so fed up with teaching from religious oppressors that make this so difficult and so hard to understand. The word says, come into the light and live by the truth or stay in the dark. It really is that simple. And, and there's no persuasion that I can do or should even attempt to do. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm here to tell you, I'm reading the word to you. The word is meant to be read in public. And we read it in public and we say, listen, stay, step into the light or stay in the dark. It's up to you. Amen? Amen? But the bottom line is your belief will dictate your behavior. You could tell me up and down, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love God. I'm sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But if your behavior is not matching up to that, then, then I'm not going to judge you, but you, you judge it. You judge it. Hey, wait a minute. How can I say all that and still be beating my wife? What's going on? Amen? It, it, it can't be. Something's got to change. I got to stop beating my wife or stop saying I'm a Christian. But, but, but they, can't, they can't coexist. The temple can only serve one God. So here it is, Salvation for Dummies today. Here's the big yellow book. He died for the ungodly. If you qualify, would you stand today? Come on. Come on. And, and I'm, I'm especially talking to those of you that you've never, you come, I don't know why you come to church. You come to church to please somebody else. You come to church to make some peace in your house or something. But I'm talking to you today. God, the word says God died for the ungodly. He says, before you were even ready, I died to make you ready. So if that's you, if, if you qualify for that, if you say, you know what, I am ungodly, would you just, would you just stand? To those standing, would you just receive this word? The price was paid. You could, we, we could go around and you could give me all the excuses why you're not serving God outside of this building. See, the bottom line, I don't care if you serve Him here. In here, we got plenty of Christians. I don't need to be encouraged by you here. There's a couple of Christians around me that encourage me. That's all I need. But, but if, if you're not living it out there, then, you know, I, I ask yourself, man, what, what is it? Listen, and God died for the ungodly before you were ready. And so if you would just take all your excuses out of your pockets, they aren't crumpled up pieces of paper, the excuses that you've given to people, can you just burn, it, burn up all those excuses? The bottom line is this, step into the light or stay in the dark. Can I, can I be that bold with you today? Step into the light or, or, or stay in the dark. But you understand the ramifications of both. Jesus said you must be born again. Not this church, not your pastor. Jesus said you must be born again. 
Now there's some of you, and we're not going to go into a whole list of sins or anything like that, but listen, if some of you, God is cleaning out the temple, would you just come already? Come already. You know God's cleaning out the temple. You know God's already speaking to you about some things. Just come. Just come. We don't have all day. Just come. God is speaking to me about cleaning out my temple. God is dealing with some areas in my life even today through this word, through the time of worship. Just come. Just come. The beautiful part is that you're not, you're not doing anything that everybody out there hasn't either already done or is too scared to do. Amen? So I applaud. Can we just applaud these? Can we just encourage them? Can we just encourage them? We're not singling you out today. I want to set you up for goodness. I want to set you up for greatness. I want you to just understand, and, and listen, if you've been carrying, how about this, if you've been burdened by heavy religious oppression, would you just come forward? If there's all kinds of history in your life that, that churches have abused you and churches have manipulated you, if churches have stolen your money, if churches have broken up your, th I mean, any, all that kind of stuff, just come. Just come. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what God wants us to do. Now, in the book of Numbers, Moses held up the staff. And all they had to do was look upon it and believe it would heal them, and they were healed. And Jesus said, just like Moses, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And so all you need to do was look upon Jesus today and believe that He can heal you and you'll be healed. Believe that He can deliver you and you'll be delivered. Believe that He can change you and you'll be changed. Believe that He can forgive you and you'll be forgiven. Would you just close your eyes? Let's just... And saints, if you would just pray, put your hands toward this direction, toward these, and, and, and let's just lift them up in prayer right now. In a moment, we're all going to worship together as one body. Right now, let's just make sure everybody's in the body. Amen? No outsiders in this place. You've come too far. Listen, you've come too far to be held back. You've come too far to not get everything that God has for you. The, the feeling in worship here that you get, that's, that's nothing. The, the feelings that you can get from being around people, that's nothing. God wants you to have full life. And that means when you're all alone, you're not depressed. You're rejoicing. You're worshiping God. That means whether you're around 100 people or by yourself, there's the joy of God in you. There's the life of God in you. The word says just believe it in your hearts and confess it with your mouths. And so right now, as I want you, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to just pray right now. Just pray out. Say, God, I believe it in my heart. I, I, I receive you, God. I need you. I'm looking upon you. I'm trusting on you. Come on, just pray it out. Just pray it out. Understand, there's no magic prayer that we say and then if you repeat and it happens. No, what happens, it has to happen in your heart. You have to say, God, I'm trusting that if I look upon you, I'll be, I'll be healed. See, some of you are going to get a healing right now, not just spiritually, but you're going to get a healing in your body right now. Come on, God is saying, just look upon the staff. Just look upon the cross and be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pray it out as the worship team worships. Pray it out. Come on.
sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. Us.